if we are to have any semblance of holiness. Unity and welcome my conscious and unconscious family and friends. This is the all new Black Village Community Podcast, and I am truly your host of the show, JC, aka Afro Black, dropping nothing but the raw and uncut. Without any fear, as I use my mic as a spear to chuck a chuck of you with liberated truth. I am your host and your native soldier in the struggle. My purpose and mission for this show is first to enlighten, inform, and engage. And I want to engage with all who claim to know the truth. All truth seekers and my native family, I welcome you. This show is dedicated to all our indigenous native ancestors and to all those who've carried the mantle of truth and to every person with the ability to throw off the chains of comfortable habit and unwarranted assumption and move in a new liberated direction that is guided by truth and observational evidence no matter where that direction may lead you my main objective and purpose here is freedom mind soul and spirit that being said Welcome to the Black Village Community Podcast and much love from our great universal goddess and mother of all living here and above. On police brutality with that line in the song, uh, and we hate the popo. Want to kill us in the street? This is JC, aka Afro Black, and I am here with you for another delicious indigenous podcast. Again, I am here. I am here to enjoy, to communicate, to verberate with my indigenous conscious community for another delicious indigenous Sunday. Yes. And so I am back, and I am glad to be back. I want to apologize to all. My listeners who maybe tuned in last week, there were some technical issues that went on without me even knowing that I was even disconnected from uh, my radio broadcast. My broadcast connection to the server was disconnected. So there were some technical issues last week that got ironed out, that got fixed, that got repaired. And so I am back and I'm indigenously back here on the show to share a full hour, if not more, of indigenous truth with the indigenous aboriginal community and even those who are not consciously aware of their indigenous you know identity or you know affiliation so we are here to discuss today's podcast podcast topic is and i quote the great aboriginal awakening it's time to wake up people subtitle it's time to wake up people again the great aboriginal awakening today i got some audio casts i want to share with you guys 
you know, and if I get into some um, some, some reading, I got some some text I want to read, some some you know some information I want to read to the indigenous community as well. And so, uh, as the topic says, and let me also change my uh, music some little, give us some a little bit more laid back to vibrate too. So let me change up right quick to something more like, oh yeah. Some Jasari X, brother Jasari X. Let me pay that in the backdrop. So, uh, as the topic says, the Great Aboriginal Awakening. I chose this topic for a specific reason. The reason is a lot of brothers and sisters are waking up to their indigenous Aboriginal identity. A lot of brothers and sisters are beginning to question this African, this this artificial construct that was given to us given to us by the elite given to us by elite negroes like Jesse Jackson and his cronies his 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 little his coon or whatever you want to call them negroes you know sell out negroes who sold us out they didn't give us a choice they didn't ask the black community, the so-called black community. They didn't ask the urban community. They didn't go down to the ghettos. They didn't. They didn't give out anything for us to write down to get us to survey our thoughts on what we should title ourselves as black Americans. No, these Negroes got together privately. Jesse Jackson in the early '80s got together privately. Him and his coon elite Negroes who kissed the boots of the white man. They got together privately, you feel me, and came together on what they wanted to call the black community, or the so-called black community. I'm saying so-called black community because if anybody do research on this situation, you'll see how these fools over the years, starting from the time of the enslavement of our people, when the Spanish met our people and called our people negros, the word negros, which means black in Spanish, okay? From the time of the Spanish um, uh, colonizing uh, our, our, you know, North America and South America, and then when the white man, the English, came in in 1587 and 1586 with their business deal with the Spanish to take over some of their so-called colonies. From that time, we went from being called negros to being called coloreds to being called, uh, you know, nigger or negro. To, to on down to the fact that from the very when they first contact with us, they called us Indians. They called us Indians. They went from Indians to become, you know, from Negroes, from Negros to Negro, which means black to be an Indian. And the word Indian, which is derived from the fact that they were indigenous people who worked with um, a color, which was, um, what, is, oh, what was that color? But which uh, the word ink is derived from the word indigo, from the fact that they were indigenous people who cultivated indigo, which they dyed their clothes with. And you know indigo can look anywhere from black purple and you can water it down to make it look purple to light purple. And you have many tribes. Purple was a color that was very sacred to indigenous people. You feel me? There's a, um, there was a, when, whenever the indigenous people did peace treaties with, with one another or with other people, even the white man, they would give out um, it's called wampum. A wampum is is um, is is a cloth that the women would make, and it would have spe- specific designs and colors on it, which which was supposed to resonate peace and love. And these colors were purple. One of the prominent colors on the wampum was purple. Again, in the word Indian is derived from the fact that they called the people because uh, a group of people. Black, uh, the indigenous people who cultivated indigo, indigo, and indigo looks black in its actual natural form. We got to embrace truth, people. So back to my point. I, like I said, I got some audio cast. I want to, so, you know, I got some audio that I want to play that's going to speak to the fact that our people are waking up. Even the even our people in the academic world, the uh, those who are in, uh, I got an audio uh, audio cast I want to play. That comes from uh, Brown's University, and in this audio cast, um, you have these scholars, these teachers, and, and they're mostly black folks at Brown's University who are talking about, they're discussing, they're debating, they're writing, they're researching Indian 
enslavement in North America and its connection to the slave trade of what they call the transatlantic slave trade. They're starting to research this. They're looking into it now. Now, the question is why it took them so long? Better now than never. That's the way I look at it. Better now than never. Uh, I got my brother here. Let me not forget about my brother sitting right here. Uh, brother Currington, uh, if you have anything you want to say, my brother, please interject. If you got anything, any question you want to raise before I play this audio cast. You got anything you want to say before I play this audio cast or you just want to listen to this audio cast? Uh, let's listen to the audio cast. Okay, this, this first piece of this audio cast, which is in reference to my podcast topic, which is the Great Aboriginal Awakening. Okay. Um, like I said, I chose this subject matter. I chose this subject matter for a specific reason. And the reason why I chose this topic is because our people are starting to wake up. I was one of the ones who, who woke up. I used to be, I used to be into Pan-Africanism at one time. I used to, I used to, I was all enveloped into Pan-Africanism until I started raising questions within my family. I started raising questions about my, in, about my true identity about my family, who the identity of my family. And then my mother had to wake me up. It took my mother waking me up and reminding me of the things that my grandmother did, the things that my grandmother said, and the way my grandmother dressed. So it, that's, it took me waking up and my, and my mother sharing with me, ain't no Africans in our family. That's what my mother told me. Where you get that from? Ain't no Africans in our family. You forgot what your grandma used to say? You forgot what your grandmother called herself a Cherokee? You forgot how your grandmother would wear her hair, still wear her hairband to this day. My grandmother still wear her indigenous headband to this day. And she's 84 years old. My grandmother been wearing her indigenous headband ever since I can remember as a child. And I couldn't, I, I was shocked at the fact that I had totally forgot about this because I had gotten so deep into Pan-Africanism that I had literally consciously had torn myself from the things that I had known as a child through my grandmother and my mother. A lot of black folks have done this. There's a lot of black folks out there that know that they're indigenous, know their grandparents and their great-grandparents are indigenous, know their grandparents are Ojibwa Indians, are Chickasaw Indians. Even the intro to the show that you heard, that Kendrick Lamar song that you heard me playing in the intro of the show, if you, anybody's seen that video by Kendrick Lamar, which is titled DNA, you see uh, the actor Don Cheadle in the video. Don Cheeto is Chickasaw Indian. His grandparents were Chickasaw Indians, lived on a reservation. You go, go look it up. Go research Don Cheeto. The same brother, dark skinned brother who played in Iron Man movies, played in a lot of movies, played in Hotel Rwanda. Don Cheeto is a Chickasaw Indian. He know who he is, no doubt. It's us who don't know who we are. We have to research our heritage, our culture. So again, uh, this audio cast that I'm going to play right now is in reference to um, um, a lecture at Brown's University where there are some academic professional teachers and professors who are talking. And this specific audio cast that I'm going to play, a sister who's a teacher is talking about some information in reference to Africans and Indians and their relation and their connection. So I would ask anybody who's Aboriginal who is consciously aware and know the history like I know it and probably know more than me, uh, gotta take what she's saying with a grain of salt because she is still a woman who is a teacher who's been taught by Europeans through the European academic system. Even though she knows and she's learning, she still, you know, Take it with a grain of salt, but there's a lot of good information that I want you to hear and that I want to talk about in reference to this audio cast. And so I'm going to play this audio cast and we will return right after this. I learned uh, two things from my elders, both here and in Africa, that are very important to me. And so I want to begin my remarks with those two things. The first thing is that whenever you are standing on soil, 
where the bones of others may be buried deep down below. You begin everything with a salutation of respect to them, even if they're unseen or unknown or unrecognized. So I want to do that first. And secondly, and this is from my grandmother, she always told me, a little knowledge, a little knowledge is a dangerous a thing. Knowledge. In the matter of tonight, what I have is a little knowledge. There are numerous scholars, some of them my colleagues here at Brown, who are making the study of Indian slavery one of the focuses of their work. One of the focuses of their work. More importantly, there are historians of the nations and of the communities of Native Americans and others in this region who know far more than I do about the history of Indian slavery, about the history of Indian slavery. So my task is to try not to be dangerous, in honor of my grandmother, yet add something useful to the collective pot so that we can have a good discussion. I'm going to do that by focusing on a few thoughts around the question of Indian slavery, which have come up in my own work. That work is not so much about slavery as it is about the kinds of interactions, usually contested and in conditions of violence and duress, but also which occasion the exchange of knowledge, which took place between indigenous people, enslaved Africans, and colonizing Europeans in the Americas and in Southern Africa. And I'll give the briefest of remarks about three historical spaces on which my thoughts have been focused in the past, over the past decade. The first set is going to be about Dutch Brazil and the early 17th century sugar plantations. The second set is from New England to the Caribbean. And the third set is Long Island, from Long Island to Providence, and the Harlem Renaissance. Okay, I stopped the clip right there. I got a second clip I'm going to play, but the reason why I stopped the clip, as I said, take what she said with a grain of salt. If you notice, she she starts her lecture off by giving honor to, she says, her African elders and her grandmother. So this woman's major study of research, uh, obviously, in my opinion, just yes, from my, I'm, this is from my me analyzing and going over this audio which I've gone I've gone over and I've listened to before I even edited it for my show. And yes, the audio cast is edited for my show because my show is only four hours, so I had to edit it for my show. But obviously her main course of studies as a teacher began in African studies. Um, I, and this audio cast it was a video cast. So watching the video, you see her standing there with a African um, garb on, okay? But her mother is an American. Her mother was an American. She talks a bit about her mother. She mentions them, gives honor to her mother. But obviously as a researcher and as a teacher and as a professor uh, of history, she's gone to Africa, probably embraced that ideology as most black people did. And I did at one time myself, that out of Africa uh, bullcrap, which most people still believe in. Most people believe that humanity that life all started in Africa there is no proof of that there is no proof of matter of fact you know what let me let my brother over here brother Lord Jamar I, I you know I, I really agree with what this brother has to say when he comes to talking about that out of Africa stuff go ahead give me some right there brother Lord Jamar listen listen you go you get here right Columbus and them motherfuckers get here. Mm -hmm. They got guns and all of that, so they fucking subdue, you know, the older generation or whatever. But the older generation is always gonna fight and always gonna hold on to their shit. So you go to the next generation now, who doesn't know. We were talking about the disconnect before. Just in one generation, one generation motherfuckers don't know who Big Daddy Kane is. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So imagine, so imagine you got two, three, four, five, six generations. Even in just that one generation, if I separate you from your parent and tell you, you know, you're really from Africa. We stole you from Africa and brought you across the sea. You across the sea. And brought you across the sea. You across the sea. You across. Brought you to this land that is not yours. So your land is actually somewhere else. So your land is actually somewhere else. Over there, over there. And see, this is what they've taught our people. This is what these white motherfuckers have taught our people. And I say it that way because it pisses me off that we've been fed a story. 
We've been fed a narrative, a false story and a false narrative. We've been fed an ideology to get us to assimilate into their system, to make it easier to to break us down, to docile us. This is the reason. This is why they did what they did. These white motherfuckers know that the majority of black people, 90%, if not 98.9% of the of the black American population are indigenous aborigines to America. Indigenous aborigines to America. You feel me? Come in, Brother Jamar. Drop some more knowledge on these fools out here. Brother, give it to him, Brother Large Jamar. If you look at natural selection, if you look at Darwin, and you look at all these types First of things, of all, we don't believe in natural selection. You don't believe Man, in that. Darwin is an asshole. Like he doesn't know. <laughs> you don't believe he's talking. No. See, this is all white people putting their people at the pinnacle of science and acting like this is what it is. First of all, they're all theories, theories, and even your man Einstein, um, the theory, theory of relativity, the the Big Bang theory, theory. The theory of natural selection. These are not facts. Facts. This is just what white people who have only been on this planet for about 6,000 years have theorized for what they have seen thus far. Thus far. And what they've been able to understand. And you know what? They fed it to us and we accept it as if it's a fact. You heard, Brother Larjamar, the out of Africa theory is a theory just like all the other theories that they come up with the evolution of man is a theory the big bang theory black people wake the hell up do your own research stop trusting in these white devils even you have to take everything that the white man said you have to filter it through your conscious mind but you can't filter it through your conscious mind if you don't do your own research so let me take us to the next level and recheck out this other clip as this sister continues with our s- topic today, which is the Great Aboriginal Awakening. This is an audio cast, and I'm going to continue with the second part of this audio cast, which is at Brown's University. Check it out. These are just covers of the kinds of uh, natural histories, in other words, the colonial archive that I spend a lot of time looking at. So you get very old histories of the first European natural historian who goes to Barbados or to Jamaica or to Brazil or to Haiti. A lot of these are actually held in uh, here, original copies, in the John Carter Brown Library. I want to spend a moment on this one, which is from Brazil. This is actually the first natural history of Brazil. You can see the European imagination working and how they see uh, the native Americans or the Tupi Namba people, as they call themselves, in Brazil. And the interesting thing about this uh, this old first natural history of Brazil for me is that I'm always thinking about the knowledge of plants, and so the knowledge that African enslaved Africans and in this case in Brazil, the enslaved Tupinamba, because everywhere in Latin America, it's first the Native Americans who were enslaved, and then when that doesn't work in some kind of way, Africans are brought in. So the reason why this book is important, done by Willem Pizzo and George Margraff, is that it was done in the time when the Dutch briefly held Brazil. Now, we know Brazil is a Portuguese colony, but in the 1640s, the Dutch were holding Brazil, and the governor, uh, Count Moritz of Nassau, thought it important to do scientific studies. So he brings over Willem Piso to look at questions of plants and the knowledge about plants. And in this time, we remember that the knowledge about plants is like knowing where gold and diamonds and oil are later on in history. So Piso does this book. And what do you find when you see the book is that the Tupinamba and the enslaved Africans are there on these early sugar plantations at the same time. And they're exchanging knowledge with each other. Most of the book is about what he calls the simples, which are the medicinal plants, the herbal medicines of the Tupinamba. But occasionally you find a page like this one that's shown there, where he reports that the Africans are teaching the Indians how, or the indigenous people, how to use particular plants. And so you begin to get a notion of the plants that the Africans managed to bring over or that were brought over in the slave ship, like sesame, eggplant, and okra. And you also get a sense of how the Tupinamba 
are teaching the enslaved Africans about some very important plants, usually maize, but also cassava, which is the bread of the Caribbean. It's the bread of the Tainos, it's the bread of the Brazilians. The terms that were being used by the Portuguese and the Dutch at this time are also interesting. They called the Tupinamba in the beginning when they enslaved them, Negros da Terra, the blacks of this land. And the ones who were coming in from Guinea and from Angola, and thus the first set, they are Negros de Guinea and Negros de Angola. It's an interesting use of the notion of color and slavery. There you go. You heard the second part of the audio cast, which is a clip at from Brown's University, uh, a number of researchers, professors, and academics talking about indigenous slavery and African slavery in South America and Brazil at a time briefly when the Dutch had it, which surprised me because I didn't know the Dutch had uh, South America at all, but it doesn't surprise me at all that they had it for a brief time. Uh, the Portuguese took it, okay? Um, but what I want to speak in reference to what she's talking about, okay, is this. What most people don't know, you got those out there, oh, see, you, still, you see they're talking about the Africans right there with the Indians and, and right, you know, and they were working side by side and talking about medicinal things together and see, I told you, you know, no, 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 you ain't told, no, you ain't, I ain't heard nothing from nobody. I'm waiting for some Pan-African Negroes to come on the show and show me something that I don't know, share something with me. Let me tell you like this, in South America and in, according to uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of uh, Pan-Africans Pan-Africanists hate to hear this SlaveVoyages.org And I like I love that website Because it's the most current The most prevalent and current Researched information On the slave trade And the details and specifics Of uh, the count of slaves And where they came from And millions of Africans Went to South America but no, not millions of Africans came to North America. You know, now, if you want to believe that millions of Africans went to South America, you can embrace that. But according to the statistics of SlaveVoyages.org, hundreds of thousands of Africans went to South America. Okay? But, I mean, even, even in, according to them, the number is in, is in the millions. According to what they say... 12 million Africans were taken from west, the west and north coast of Africa. Okay? But the majority of that number, a large part of that so-called number of millions, went to South America, went to England, all the European nations, which include Germany, France, the Dutch, the, the uh, Italy, uh, they were all, uh, France, they were all a part of the slave trade. They were all in on it together. And so, but when it comes to North America, the number that I found, the number that nobody wants to talk about, is not even a half a million Africans came to North America. Not even a half a million. Not even 500,000 Africans came to North America. According to slavevoyages.org, 305, 300, 305,325 Africans came to North America. But guess what? Less than 205,000 got off the ship. Less than, only 205,000 got off the ship and boarded, disembarked from the ship onto the shores of North America. So if you just take 200,000, and I want you to know, that number has been grossly exaggerated as well. This is the reason why researchers don't like to openly debate or openly discuss the issue of Indian enslavement and African slavery when it, from an investigative, investigative perspective. The reason why is because there's too many loopholes, too many areas where people can interject their own thoughts and opinion without evidence. And that was done purposely, people. But there's a whole lot of things that you can discuss, a whole lot of simple things that you can bring to the attention of people where people can see the game that's been played. You feel me? And so from that perspective, we got to realize that even if you was to take a cup of sugar 
and put just a teaspoon of sugar in that cup. Are you going to really, are you going to taste that salt? Oh, excuse me, if you take a, a cup of sugar and put a teaspoon of salt in it, are you going to taste that salt? A teaspoon of salt in a cup of sugar. Are you going to taste that salt? I doubt it very much. You, you're not even going to taste it. The sugar is going to absorb the salt. And this is what happened when it came to the little bit of Africans that did come here. If you want to believe that 205,000 got off the ships. And that's over a period of years from the so-called first so-called embarkment, which happened in 1626. The first embarkment of recorded so-called Africans coming to North America happened in 1626. And guess what, people? 17 Africans came. Only 11 disembarked off the ship. 11. So, people, we got to stop allowing the system to dictate our thoughts or our mind or the way we process information when it comes to history. We got to embrace history and we got to fucking filter decipher, detangle, and translate and, and and put it into our experiences and the stories that our parents told us, our grandparents and our great-grandparents. Not taking the dictation from these European Americans who don't even want to call themselves European Americans today. They just want to be called Americans. And this is what black folks are doing. They don't want to be, they don't want to be Indians. They don't want to be Cherokee. Black people don't want to be connected to their heritage, their Indian heritage. They either want to be Americans or African Americans. These Negroes today have assimilated to the degree, have gotten so comfortable with white people, have gotten so comfortable with the assimilation and the indoctrination of white people, that black people don't want to let go the African-American fairy tale story, don't want to let go the African-American identity that white people handed to them on a rusty plate. Because when you embrace that identity, you make yourself an immigrant in your own country. When you become an African-American and you write that on all your paperwork, write that on all your information, you record that with the government, you've made yourself an immigrant in your own country. Because now you're calling yourself an African and an American secondly. You saying your first heritage and your first culture and your first awareness of your identity is African when you know nothing about Africa. I ain't never been to Africa and don't plan on going there either because I'm not African. Ain't no African people in my family. Ain't no African food traditions in my family. Ain't no African holidays. Ain't no African nothing in my family. And in most black American families, it's the same way. You got some people talking about they've heard, but do you know anybody in your family from Africa? Can you tell me you can call a cousin in Zimbabwe? Can you go, can you go over an uncle's house in Nigeria? Or did you take a trip out there and get caught up in the ignorance of Pan-Africanism and so now you want to believe something that you cannot verify with any evidence? People, we got to wake up. You feel me? And so on that note I do want to continue another piece with another audio cast because this is getting good I don't want to just stop this sister where she at I think you should hear the other part but before I go any further my brothers and sisters sitting here in the conference room anybody got any questions they might want to share in reference to what I've spoken about so far what you heard brother Carson, you got a chance to hear the audio cast at least two pieces two parts so far anything you want to interject well, no, no comment at this time. Uh, I'd like to hear the rest of the uh, clip. I see my sister has joined me, sis. I appreciate you joining me. Any questions, sis, you want to raise in reference to what's going on so far? Or anything you want to just say? Or go ahead, sis. Um, no, I'm just tuning in. I've only been here for like five minutes, so I need to hear a little bit more. Okay, I'm going to play this other audio cast for you guys to listen to, and we will return. And the picture on the lower right, what you see is, it looks like they're trying to depict Africans, but actually this is an early depiction of Tupinamba, who are enslaved and who are put to producing the bread, this bread called cassava or cassava, depends on which part of the Caribbean or Latin America you're in. And these were first enslaved Tupinamba who have to produce this bread. So for me, this is an interesting evidence of not just the enslavement, joint enslavement side by side 
of Native Americans and enslaved Africans, but also of the knowledge they exchanged and the knowledge and the wealth of knowledge that they bring to the colonizers. This picture is a picture in Africa of Angola, the city of Luanda, and at the same time that the Dutch are holding this part, this tip of Brazil, as part of their um, their empire, they're also briefly in charge of or colonizing the Angola Kingdom. They never get quite to colonize the Congo Kingdom, but the Angola Kingdom in Luanda. This is the oldest fort, one of the oldest forts on the coast of Africa. It's uh, San Miguel de Luanda, built in 1576. And the interesting thing is that when the Dutch, built by the Portuguese, when the Dutch take Luanda briefly in the 1640s, they bring over Tupi Namba masons, stonemasons, sailors on the boats, and some of those Tupinamba escape altogether. They melt into the kingdoms, what were then the kingdoms of Congo and Dongo. So one interesting research question for me is, sort of like the disappeared Taino, where did these people go? And what would thinking about them teach us about slavery and the relations among Africans and, and Native Americans with respect to slavery and not just slavery? This is a picture with which I'm sure it depicts things that most people in this region would be familiar with, which is uh, the massacre of the Pequod in 1937 in Connecticut. This is one of the beginnings of a massive deportation of Native American people from New England to the Caribbean. So it then posits another question, where did these people go? They go to everywhere in the Caribbean. They go to the Bahamas, they go to Barbados, they go to Jamaica. So when I was a child, probably like many of you who are at least my age or older, we were always taught the Indians, the Native Americans, are largely disappeared. I have there a quote from Herman Melville, the book that we all had to read in school, Moby Dick, where he says, you know, the name of the boat, the ship is the Pequod, first of all, and we don't even know why it's the Pequod when we're reading it. But he says, you will no doubt remember the Pequod was the name of a celebrated tribe of Massachusetts Indians now extinct as the ancient Medes. So he's writing this in 1851, but these supposedly extinct people, many of them are not just still here in New England, but are also in the Caribbean. And in fact, one of the things that was most astonishing to me in trying to do the research of black people and Native Americans side by side in this question of slavery is an intra-American slave trade that went on in the Caribbean, a waterborne traffic, they didn't cross the Atlantic, but was going around in the Caribbean, was a very, very large flow of slavery. The estimate now is that over a period of 400 years, more than 2.5 million Native persons, many of them from New England, were in slavery in the Caribbean. This is besides the Taino who lived there. This is another set. And this saltwater trade expelled them all over the Caribbean to Little Bonaire and Curaçao, to the many small Lucayas, to Hispaniola, and to Puerto Rico. In fact, one study done by Resendez, which is called The Other Slavery, is that in the period between 1670 and 1720, from the Carolinas, South Carolina in particular, more Indians were exported out of Charleston, South Carolina than Africans were imported into Charleston, South Carolina. There you go. Did you hear that last part? She said there was more Africans, excuse me, more Indians. Let me correct that. There was more Indians that was taken out of South Carolina than Africans brought in. There were more Indians being taken out of South Carolina than brought in. Let me open up the uh, conference room with my family right here in the conference room if they have anything to say. Let me also comment on the beginning what she was talking about. <clears throat> she was talking about at first, like I said, South America. She was talking about what was going on in South America. Then she jumps in her conversation to the Pequot Indians which are here in North America. And look at what she said. She said that a teacher, when she was a kid, they read a, they read Moby Dick. In the book Moby Dick, Moby Dick's boat, his uh, Moby Dick's boat or ship was titled or called the Pequot. Never knew 
that it was named after some indigenous Indians. The Pequot Indians were right there in near the New England area. They were right next to the Narragansett Indians, right next to the Lenny Lenape, the Nantucket Indians. They were all next to each other, covering an area from New England to New York to uh, New Jersey. They was all covered by black Indians. These Indians were black Indians. Looked like me, looked like a, the average so-called black American or African-American walking around the street today. If you was to see a Pequot, a Narragansett, if you was to see a Lenny Lenape Indian, a Nantucket Indian, any of those, uh, if you saw an Illinois Indian, Illinois Indians are from Chicago, Chicago, basically Indians that were located in the now, which is now called the Chicago area. Look like black folks people because they were black folks but they were not black folks from the reference of what we think of today because the word black is only a color is not a reference to a tribe or a racial ethnic group this is what we need to realize this white man has they have put a spell over so-called black people through the spells of their words not recognizing not comprehending the etymology of words which is basically the history of words even when it comes to when they say when she said that that in reference to the Pequot Indians, this teacher said, just like the middies of the Greek the, of the Greek times, that they that the people don't exist no more, which is a lie. If you go if you go study Greek history, the middies people band together with other indigenous white people and became the Greeks. Alexander the Great was a Midis. He was a Midianite or Midian. But he they became Greeks. So what does they mean when they say genocide? Genocide is a cultural killing, basically not killing the people, but killing the people's cultural identity. When they when these white people turn around and take uh, took away the indigenous black peoples on the plantation, took away their culture, took away their language by taking the first robbing the tribe, going to these tribes and stealing the children, stealing the women, taking them from their tribes and then putting them on plantations to work because the women had the agricultural knowledge. The men did not have the agricultural knowledge. That was not the tradition. That was not the customary practice of indigenous people. The customary practice of indigenous woodland Indians is that the women had the agricultural knowledge. So I want you to know to these white devils, indigenous women were important. They didn't have a problem killing the indigenous men. They kept the women though, raped them, held on to them, had them work in the fields, cultivating tobacco, cultivating corn, cultivating sugar. These were indigenous aboriginal women. They were not African women. And we also gotta bear in mind, any Africans that did come to North America, the majority of them were men. 90% were men. So who are you going to breed those men to, to make babies, to, to make more slaves? It was indigenous Aboriginal Indian women on the plantation. That's who they bred them with. That still would make the children indigenous to America through their mother. This is the reason why these white devils made slavery permanent through the mother. Because men don't produce babies. They only contribute to life. They don't produce life. Women produce life. And women are the ones who say who you are. You are who your mother is. I don't care if you're a male or a female. You are who your mother is. I don't give a damn who your father is. You are who your mother is. Why? Because you are born through your mother. You're connected to your mother's umbilical cord. You're feeding off of your mother's placenta. You're breathing through your mother's lungs. And your mother is providing you with the life and nutrients of life which make you who you are. So we got to wake up, people. Anybody got any questions in reference to what I've said or what you've heard so far? Yes, I want to say that it's, uh, it's, it's very important to know that um, slavery do start with the, um, the, the mother, the enlightenment of knowing that it's the woman that's teaching the children with the with what she's been taught, uh, what she's been uh, what the slave master taught her. So the thing is, is that children are learning and learn, and their mind are structured 
um, to the teaching of the mother. So if the mother were uh, were made to um, are enslaved to deny who she is, her culture, her beliefs, and all that, and then she has to pa- and then she passes that on to her children, then that is how we have the mental enslavement that we have today. Is because that once the mother structured the mind, the, the subconscious mind, then that child reality and his per- that child's perception. And we create the reality will come from the teaching of the mother and then the the then the, the teaching of the mother which came from the slave master is the reason why we have what we have today. Go the ahead. Functioning of the mental mind. Go ahead, sister. Dropping the raw and uncut. I love when a woman drops the raw and uncut. And you put it so plainly. You put it so simply. You say basically, it's basically because the mother is the master teacher to the family. Every child that's born, nine times out of ten, that child is going to see that mama first. That baby, when that baby's born, that baby wants to go back inside his mama. That's why that baby cries. That You just took that baby out of his comfort zone. What comfort zone is that? Mama zone. And so now when that baby comes out, the first thing that baby is looking to see, feel, touch, hear, voice, mama. Mama is the master teacher. Every man is taught by mama. Every woman is taught by mama. Every man is looking to find, to make a mama. And every woman either wants to be a mama or she's looking for a mama too. So my point is this, is that is the key to life, the key to restoration, the key to restoring the indigenous aboriginal family to heal the so-called black community starts with the woman. Do you agree, sis? Yes, I totally agree. And the sad part is, like, I was telling this uh, uh, this one um, young man. Well, he's not young. He was he's in his fifties, but he considers himself still a young man. He's living like he's still a young man in his twenties. But I was also I was showing him and trying to tell him that the he says black people. You know, you can't tell him that he's an Indian. You know, it's like. The, 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 the slave uh, mind is like a rabbit hole and it runs so deep. It's like you can tell them and they hear you, but they don't hear you because they program. So I was trying to unravel some of his thoughts of, of who he is and who, who he think he is. And I was trying to show him and tell him that the black, the, the black man, because they feel like they're black, you know, you can't tell them that they're Native American. You can't tell them they're not African American. So I, I kind of had to, you know, just see things the way he see it to try to get in his mind. But the slave mental mind, but the slavery of the mental mind is, is so deep and so enrooted into their mind that I was, I, even though I was trying to share with him that black, the black man is, basically keeping down the black woman and is continuing the mental slavery, the mental slavery of the mind of the children. The man is, is keeping the woman's uh, mind uh, in depression, keeping her uh, in, 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 in the space of hurt and pain to where she, she can't see her way out. She can't even see her way to even raise her her daughters and her sons to be who they really are. And and he and he was bragging about his son, how he he runs through women and how he do women and 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 and, and that's why you know black women are so messed up and and that they uh, that's why he get him a, he got him a white girl and and all these things. So I was just telling him, sharing with him about we are not Africans. We are not black people. Black is a color. And that we are really Native Americans, you know? And so, and that we are continuing, the, the, the men are continuing the, 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 the master, the slave master, uh, 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 what I will call it, we are continuing the, uh, they're basically continuing. The or they how can, the slave, and what I'm trying to say is, is that the black 
the, the black man ha has been programmed. And because we are in the end times, and this is, quote, the patriarchal times where the black man is in leadership and the black man is ruling the world, they are actually destroying the sisters. And they are sodomizing them. They are raping them. They are they are mentally depressing them and then tell them they messed up and they go, then they go turn around and go get them a white girl. And they see nothing wrong in what they're doing. They see nothing wrong that they are continuing the cycle of, of what's been done to our ancestors. And then he, he refused to believe who he really are. So it's like I have to just leave the whole conversation alone because, you know, it was really getting out of hand. And it's sad to see that we, we cannot tell our people, we cannot tell them that they're Native Americans, that they're not Africans, that they're not black. You cannot tell them that, you know what I'm saying? And they don't see how they are continuing the cycle of what, what's been done to our ancestors, you know what I'm saying? And it hurts my heart because that is keeping the black woman from even up, uh, uh, rising up to teach her children. It's, it's, you can't, I can't even explain it and even tell the, the women, you know, to, to teach them who they really are. And, and, and how they messing up their children and how it all started and began because they so mentally stuck in their own depression. They mentally stuck in their own perception of what reality is, that life is hell. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, we can, you can tell them, you can, uh, you can teach, you can, uh, and, and, and it kind of makes me want to give up sometimes. You know, because people don't listen. You know what I'm saying? The programming of the subconscious mind is so structured and it's where it's like you can't get them out of their paradigm. And it's, it's, to me, I, I kind of, sometimes I, I give up, you know what I'm saying? Because people either what? They don't, they either get upset with you or they don't. You're saying. And the black woman is, is, is a product of what the black man is doing to her. No, no, you know? no, no, no. Let me let, let me let, let me comment on some of what you said, okay? First let me say I appreciate you joining me on the show today. My this is my sis. I I respect and honor every word that come out of your mouth cuz you know you're you're a woman who seeks truth and and you care to even speak to brothers to share this knowledge with these brothers of self awareness and, and conscious uh, aboriginal truth. But let me say this, okay? Most of what you just said is totally, mm -hmm. most of what you just said, I'm going to say this, at least 90% of what you said is totally true. I have one <clears throat> rebuttal to what you just said, though. The fact that the black woman mm -hmm. is being held down. No, I, what I would say is this. The black man, like the slave that he is, I'm talking about those who call themselves African Americans, those who believe that they are black Americans, those who refuse to accept, refuse to research, refuse to embrace the fact that they are Aboriginal indigenous to America, Aboriginal Americans, that they are native black Americans. And I say that with the conscious perspective of, comp of knowing what the word black is, not recognizing it's a misnomer. Because black is not an ethnicity, black is not a racial position. You can't even use black in the court of law. It, 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 it's, it's not a word that's legally binding by law. So, but what I say in rebuttal is that black women, it's gonna take black women to raise us out of this situation. It's gonna take black women refusing to accept the artificial uh, false construct that, that's been given to us which is African-American, or Black-American, or colored, or Negro. It's going to take black women embracing their indigenous culture, going back and embracing and practicing the, the ceremonies and rituals and customs and traditions of our indigenous aboriginal uh, people that they, that they practice. It's going to take women practicing these things, embracing these things, to re rejuvenate the indigenous aboriginal American community so that they can recognize that they are not black and that they're not black Americans, they're not African Americans, that they are indigenous aboriginal Native Americans, native to America and indigenous to America. And this is what we're gonna have, to, it's gonna take women. It was women that, and men, that allowed the children today, going from the, from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s, to what we have today, 
an out-of-control youth. For the most part, most young black men have no spiritual direction, no knowledge of self-awareness or cultural direction. They have nothing. The only thing they know is chasing the green cotton. What's green cotton? Money. Money is the only thing still printed on cotton. Money, not just your shirt, money is printed on cotton. The very cotton our ancestors picked in the field. Money is printed on that. And so you got these house Negroes who don't even know that they're house Negroes chasing green cotton, willing to sell their mama, sell their sister, willing to beat up their mama, beat up their sister for green cotton. Or to, or to keep a, keep themselves high and put money in their pocket. That's the only thing they care about. They know nothing about the principle of family. They know nothing about the principle of, of self-awareness. They know nothing about the principle of loyalty to family and, the, and respecting the woman as the matriarch and centerpiece of the family. They know nothing about these things because not only have they embraced the white man's patriarchal ideology, they've embraced the idiocy of being illiterate and not researching and they become lazy bums because they don't research and they don't read that's my position on that <laughs> so I just <laughs> well the reason why I said the black man keeping the keeping the woman down is because we in, in, in this patriarchal article time is that men have the power even though we know through knowledge that women started everything and women it's the women that have power but but because that people do not seek knowledge they look you know what i'm saying they only go we in the times where the men is looked up to i don't but see, i don't see the, but sis, the head of the house but see let me tell you something i don't care what a man knows like what i do okay my mission is is what i do i share conscious truth this is what I do when I was into Pan-Africanism because I was stupefied and ignorant to my own um, cultural awareness. I was a Pan-Africanist and that's what I was sharing. But I, I, you know, truth has elevated me. When you hold on to the hands of truth, it's going to pull you through all the muck. It's going to pull you out of the dirt, out of the mud. So you're going to get mud on your clothes. You might get bit by an alligator, but truth is going to, as long as you hold on to truth, it's going to pull you out of that pit. And it's going to put you going to be on top of everything. and You'll be able to see where you came from. And this is what truth has done to me. And this is the reason why I share truth with the indigenous aboriginal community and those who consider themselves the black community to make them consciously aware. Now, I know I'm not going to pull everybody. I know not everybody's going to hear me. Not everybody's going to grasp onto this. Not everybody's going to comprehend what I'm coming from. But you know what? If that one person, if it's just one person that verbrates to this, if it's just one person that hears what I'm saying, and then you know what? It allows them to go out and do their own research and search out for truth. Then I feel like I've done something as long as I reach at least one person. And that's why I continue to do what I do. And that's why you should continue to do what you do. Because even though that young man or that 50 year old man who thinks he's still a young man and still acts like he's still 16, believe me, when you walked away, you left him with something. And you know what? That's something is going to turn into something else. Or he's going to share it with somebody else. Even if he doesn't embrace it. If he says, you know what? I ran into this, this woman the other day. And she tried to tell me I was an Indian. I told her, tell me I was not an African American. And, we'll, and he shared that with somebody else. It might verberate with them. And they might, it might be something that their grandmother and mother told them. Well, you know, I got Indian in me. Maybe she had something. How do you know what's in you? So don't, don't walk away. And walk away as if you was defeated or as, as if your words fell on dead ears. Because believe me, your words are power because it comes from the mouth and the heart of a woman. Do you feel me? Yeah. So on that yeah. note, I hope on that note, I hope I encouraged you because I want you to continue to do what you do. Because you are a powerful woman. You feel me? I know I know this for myself. You know, you are a powerful woman. So I appreciate you joining me and whenever you join me and in the process of that, you know what? I just got to play this. I got to play this. Check out this. I just got to play this before I get off the air. So all these achievements that we ascribe to African-Americans, these achievements by Native Americans who had to take on an identity of being African-American because they was hanging us, was hanging us, was hanging us. But you think they was hanging people because they was Africans. Africans just want to go home. 
Nigga from here wanna take his shit off, wanna take his shit off, his shit off, his shit off, his shit off. And that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's why we gotta realize who we are. Crack me up these Pan-African Negroes talking all this Pan-African bullshit. You feel me? Raw and uncut just like that here on the Black Village. Coming from JC, a.k.a. Afro Black, giving it to you raw and uncut here from the Black Village on Sunday. And I'll be back every Sunday. You can always chime in and join me. It doesn't cost you a dime. Just a bit of your conscious time. You can chime in at 857-232-0155. You need the conference key if you're going to join me at the conscious table of truth. Here with me and my sister who joins me when she can you're gonna need the conference key which is nine four seven five nine five again that's eight five seven two three two oh one five five conference code nine four seven five nine five and i'm here every delicious indigenous sunday sharing nothing but indigenous aboriginal truth you feel me and you know i'm calling all my indigenous brothers to join me there's a lot of brothers out there let me call out these brothers you know chief um you know uh for, um the aboriginal son brother who be on youtube uh uh chief conalago i want that bro i want to meet i want that brother i want that brother on my show you know chief uh holiday you know dane calloway you know, uh, uh, Dark Man X, you feel me? Ultra Melanite, you feel me? Even Medicine Man, you know, we might not share the same religious, um, you know, ideology, but, you know, we're on the same note when it comes to indigenous aboriginal uh, awareness, you feel me? And so I will be back next Sunday. I got to end my show, you feel me? If I don't end my show, then, you know, I won't have... You know, I won't be able to do things like I want to do it because I got to put things a little bit more on a professional perspective. You feel me? But I will be back. And I will definitely be indigenously, aboriginally back. You feel me? Sis, you got any last words you want to share before we head out of here, sis? Um, I just want to say that people, I just want the people to wake up so they can be mentally free. Because we are bound and we are mentally sick. And until we wake up, we will stay in the space of dysfunctional dysfunction. And uh, maybe one day we will rise again when we all decide to wake up. And on that note, I agree with my sister and I concur on that. And I appreciate my sister and I encourage my sister to continue to do what I do and share indigenous, aboriginal, Native American truth of who we are. I'm going to say it again, 90 to 98 point 98.9% 98.9 of black, so-called black Americans are indigenous to America. We're not African Americans. We're not African descent. We are, we are indigenously descent. We are, we are descended from indigenous aborigines, the autochthonous, the ancient autochthonous people of America. Do you feel me, people? And that's what we got to wake ourselves up to. And so on that note, I'm going to leave us with a message, people, and then uh, I'll be back next delicious Indigenous Sunday. On that note, I will end it. And as I always say, may the great mother bring us back together under the wings of her peace, her love, and her unity. And as I always say, I love chicken. So, you know, you know, chicken and chicken, you know, I love chicken. So <laughs> I got to go, y'all. On that note, I'm out of here. And so uh, I will be back saying uh, bat channel, saying bat time, Sunday from three to four. Join me here at the Black Village. I'm Audi. So on that note, I gotta go. Aborigines, which means what? Black folks. Whenever you never find a white Aborigine, uh, rather Aborigines are called natives, or they're always dark-skinned people. You and I are Aborigines, but you don't like to be called an Aborigine. You want to be called an American. <laughs> you go to a reservation, you see poverty, you see churches, and you see liquor stores. When you go to any hood, you see poverty, you see churches, and you see liquor stores. So what make you think you're not on a reservation? Right? So all these achievements that we ascribe to African-Americans, these achievements by Native Americans who had to take on an identity of being African-American because they was hanging up, because they was hanging up, because they was hanging up. This means, in the case of an American Negro, it comes as a great shock to discover that Gary Cooper killing off the Indians when you were rooting for Gary Cooper, that the Indians were you, that the Indians were you. That the Indians were you. That the Indians.
but you think they was hanging people because they was Africans. Africans just want to go home. Nigga from here want to take his shit over. But you think they was hanging people because they was Africans. Africans just want to go home. Nigga from here want to take his shit over, take his shit over, his shit over, want to take his shit over. Take Our forefathers weren't the pilgrims. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. The rock was landed on us. 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 Again, the sound the engine in is like a bird. You see fireworks and coffee tire skirt the boulevard. I know how you work. I know just who you are. See, use a, use a, use a bitch. You almost probably switch inside your DNA. Problem is, all that sucker shit inside your DNA. Daddy probably snitch. Heritage inside your DNA. Backbone don't exist. Burn on side a jellyfish, I gauge. See my pedigree. Most definitely don't tolerate the front Shit I been through probably offend you This is Barla's oldest son I know murder, conviction, burners, boosters, burglars, ballers Dead, redemption, scholars, fathers Dead with kids and I wish I was fed Forgiveness, yeah, 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 yeah Soldier's DNA, born inside the beast My expertise check out in second grade When I was nine, on sale motel We 